0: Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake. I'm the, one of the pastors here at Midtown Church, and so glad that you're joining us. Good to see all of y'all as we uh, continue a series that we're actually uh, ne- nearing the end of. We're, this is week five of a six-week series that we've been calling Grow, The Nature of Christian Discipleship. And in this series, we've been trying to answer two big questions, and those two questions are... What does God primarily want to grow in us? And more than anything else, what's the thing that God really wants to do in us, grow in us? And then the second question is, and then how does he want to do that in us? Or how is God going about growing that thing in us? All right, so those have been our two big questions. And we've said throughout the series that the answer to the first question, what does God want to grow in us? The answer to that is faith. That the main thing, the primary thing that God wants to grow in us more than anything else is faith or trust in him, more than like, you know, good morality, good character, more than knowledge, like those things are all great and God certainly works to, to grow those things in us, but like underlying all of that and more important than all that is faith, because just, just a real quick observation on that is you could be a good moral person, And not have a relationship with God. You can know a lot about God. You can know a lot about the Bible. And not even have a relationship with God. The way that we enter into a relationship with God is through faith. Namely faith in what God has done on our behalf. Through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. Paying the debt that we could not pay. Is the way that we enter into a relationship with God through faith or trust in God. So this is the main thing that God wants to grow in us. It's how we enter a relationship with God and it's how our intimacy within that relationship continues to grow and deepen and all comes down to the issue of faith. And so that's what God really wants to grow in us. This is like this really, really big deal. So we've been kind of talking about this throughout the the, uh, entire series saying that, okay, when we have faith in God, which let me just pause and say last week, for those of you who weren't here, Like, we actually took some time to define what is faith according to the Bible. What is biblical faith? Because many of us kind of carry around this abstract concept of what faith is. Perhaps it's a force. Perhaps it's a formula. Perhaps it's Star Wars or karma or this ambiguous, like, thing that stands between, like, us, and then there's faith, and there's God, and if we can, like, tap into faith, then we can get faith to, like, lasso God and get God to do what we want him to do, or, like, turn him our direction. We kind of think about faith in this kind of ambiguous, like, power or whatever, like that, and, like, According to the Bible, that's not what faith is at all. In Hebrews 11, we looked at that last week and just saw that faith, really, when it boils down to it, according to the Bible, biblical faith is this. It's, it's confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do all that he's promised to do. Like I would encourage you to memorize that. Like That's what the Bible talks about when it talks about faith, and the Bible talks about faith faith a whole lot because faith is incredibly important to God. Like he cares about our faith because it's the essence of our relationship with God is based on faith. And we enter into a relationship with him based on faith. Our intimacy in our relationship with God grows based on faith. And so faith's a big deal to God. So we should know what faith is. So once again, faith is confidence that God is who he says he is and that he will do all that he's promised to do. And we said, that's what God's really wanting us to grow in us is that we would like, Take God at his word, that we would trust God. And when we do, our intimacy level with God grows, which makes sense, right? Same thing happens in all of our relationships. When you know that you can trust somebody, your relationship deepens. It feels like there's more to it, right? Same with our relationship with God, which results in honoring God pleasing God. In the series, we talked about that out of Hebrews 11, that it's without faith, it's impossible to please God, which means that with faith, it is possible to please God. It's a big deal that we would have faith in God. We talked about at the beginning of the series how, man, like, what amazed Jesus... And really, there was only two things in all the gospels that you ever see that actually amazed Jesus. And one was positive, someone's big faith in him, really believing that Jesus could do what he says he could do. Like that really amazed Jesus. It blew him away. And then there was one other time that you see Jesus amazed and it was in a negative sense. It was when the whole town, his hometown didn't believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And so they couldn't, like Jesus was just amazed, kind of blown away by their lack of faith. So our faith, guys, it pleases God. Our faith can even amaze God. Like, our faith is a big deal to God. And it's a big deal to us. Like, we should want God to grow faith in us. Because here's a couple things that happen when we have a growing faith in God. One, we worry a whole lot less, don't you? Like, if you really believe that God is who he says he is, and that he's going to do all he's promised to do, then you know, you believe that he's in control. And therefore you're not, you're not always like wringing your hands and feeling all anxious about everything. Like there's this peace that comes with like, okay, like things are not happening the way I thought they were going to happen. But here's what I know. I know that this didn't surprise God and he's got me and he's real and he loves me and he knows my name and he died for me. And so he loves me and I know that for sure. And therefore I'm not going to freak out. And that's awesome that we could live with that kind of peace. We should want God to grow faith in us so we would live with incredible peace. Here's another thing that happens when we have growing faith in God. We have this great sense of direction that we can take God at his word. We trust God. And therefore, when God says, hey, go this way or live this way or do this thing, we say, okay, (laughs) okay. I'm going to do that because I trust you, God. I know that you are good. I know that you are wise. And therefore, what you say is best. And so I'm going to do what you say. And we have this incredible direction, which also leads to blessing. When we go the best way, it works out the best. Well, if God's good and and he's wise, he's going to tell us the best. We go that way, then it's going to be what's best for us, which doesn't mean that we won't have like persecution or that we won't have trials. But what's best, what's really ultimately best will always be what's happening when we go the direction that God tells us to go. So we have direction. That's such a, a good thing. We have peace. We have direction. You could just go on and on about the incredible goodness that comes for us when we have this growing faith in God. It's, it blows God away. It amazes God. It pleases God, and it leads to blessing for us. And so we should, like, say with God, God, What you're wanting to do is grow faith in me. And you know what? What I'm wanting you to do is grow faith in me. Like this is a good thing. It's for your glory, God, and it's for my good. So God, yes, please grow faith in me. Grow where I trust you, God, more. Grow big faith in you. Grow that within me. That's what we should be saying to God. And God is saying, hey, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. That's what I want to grow in you. But how? That's the second part of this series. That's what we've been getting into. It's like, okay, well, how does God grow faith in us? Like, how how does he grow to where we would trust him more? What does he use in our lives to cause us to trust him more, to, to have bigger faith in him? And we've said that through just a kind of observation... You know, there's no passage in the Bible that just lays this out verse by verse, though you see these things show up in the Bible over and over again. But we've noticed primarily through just observation from in my life, talking to many of you, and then like talking to other pastors and reading books on this. And like what we see is like there are five key things that God uses to grow our faith. And that there may be six, or there may be seven, or there may be eight, but there's at least five. And I think that many of us, as we've been talking about this the last few weeks, we've all like said, okay, yeah, I see how God's used that. Or I see it in, in someone else's story, how they've, God's used that to grow their faith. And here are those things. First one is practical biblical teaching. Practical biblical teaching, where... You hear God's Word taught, and it's not taught just for you to know something, but to actually do something with it, and then you go and actually do it. You actually apply God's Word. You don't just learn it, but you put it into practice. When that happens, God uses that to grow your faith. Because you actually are doing what God says, and when you do that, you start seeing God's hand in your life showing up, and like, you know what? God can be trusted. Like, that's a huge thing. We talked about that a few weeks ago. The second thing we said is this... Uh, um Private disciplines, private disciplines where you trust God to get alone with him. You're not doing it for the praise of others, but you get alone with him. You spend time with him in prayer and the word. You you fast and you give. These were all parts of private discipline that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter six. And we said, like, there's an element, like when we can trust God with our time, trust God with our money, we act on that. What we find is that God is incredibly trustworthy, and God uses that to grow our faith. So the challenge of that week was to give God your first few minutes and your first few dollars. And I challenged y'all to do that for 30 days. Just first few minutes and first few dollars and allow God to use that to grow your faith in him. And I want to encourage you to continue on in that. You still would have 15 more days for that challenge. So like live that out and see how God's using that to grow your faith in him. So that was private disciplines. Then last week we talked about providential relationships we just notice that how like god uses relationships with people to grow our relationship with him and like we see this principle over and over again in our lives like if any, if you are a, a christian or perhaps even if you're not a christian yet but you're just exploring uh, is christianity is there something to it most likely somewhere along the way there was someone in your life that's helped you begin to explore or helped you come to know and believe that jesus is your savior That God uses relationships with people to grow our relationship with him. That this is how, this is a huge way that God uses to grow our faith in him. Which is why we said last week, like I want to encourage you and challenge you. Like put yourself in environments where you're going to be around other believers that will help encourage you in your faith with God. And like we can't create providential relationships for one another. We trust God to do that. But what we can do is we can act in faith knowing that this is how a key way that God works. So let's, let's put ourselves in environments with other believers and ask God, God, can you give me someone here in this small group, in this MC, in this huddle that's going to become a friend that you use to grow my faith in you? So that was a big deal we talked about last week. Today, we're going to be talking about personal Ministry, And then next week we'll get into pivotal circumstances, good things, bad things that God uses to get our attention and can use to grow our faith in him. So don't miss next week. We'll, we'll get to spend some time on that. But today I want to spend some time talking about this personal ministry and how God uses that to grow our faith. And so here's what I mean by personal ministry. And I'm sure that many of y'all can relate to this, that there's probably a time in your life, if you've been a Christian very long, where you were confronted with an opportunity to serve. And you, were, you saw some kind of need that was, needs to be met. Maybe it was through a ministry within the church, or perhaps it was just like a neighbor or a coworker that you're talking about, or something else that you just were confronted with this opportunity to meet a need. And, and you were like, okay, I, I see that. And you were maybe asked to do it, or you just felt like some urging to do it. And then you didn't, (laughs) because we rarely say yes right away, do we? But usually our stories go like we were confronted with it, and then we kind of walked away. And then we just felt this like constant tugging about that. And like, over a period of time, you're just feeling like you just can't shake it. Like it, it stays on your mind, and you're like, "Well, what is that?" And when you try to like give excuses, like maybe you just have an overly active conscience, or maybe you ate something wrong, or something like that. But after a period of time, you're like, "No, no, this is not guilt. This is not like I think this might be the Holy Spirit telling me like I should, I need to like say yes to serving this way." But when you begin thinking that way tons of like tons of excuses come flooding in your mind, don't they? Like I'm, they do for me. Like, okay, I'm going to step out and do this, and all of a sudden I'm like really confronted with, man, I, I'm not the person for this. I, I'm not equipped for this, or I don't know how to do this, or what if I do it wrong, or what if I say the wrong thing? And like and tons of excuses come to mind. But eventually, if this is like, I think probably many of us have this story, you end up saying yes, and you're scared to death, and you know you don't have what it takes. But you say yes and you decide to serve and you go knock on your neighbor's door or you sign up for children's ministry or you get on the plane to go on a mission trip or whatever it was. And in doing so, God grows your faith in him in huge ways. Because, you know, okay, I'm out here on a limb. And I don't have what it takes, but God, you told me to do this, and so I'm going to do this, but I need you to show up. And we're feeling this incredible dependence on God, and then you begin serving in his name, and you start meeting some needs, and all of a sudden you're seeing God do something through you, and your trust in God grows hugely. Many of us have that as a part of our faith story. God uses this, guys, to grow our faith in him. And here's what I want to just point out before we get into the passage this morning. And that is that what the angle that we're going to talk about personal ministry is not probably the primary angle that we usually talk about ministry. Oftentimes when we're talking about ministry, we're talking about it from the angle and kind of motivation of like there's needs that need to be met and God wants to meet them through you. And like we believe that God works through people oftentimes to meet needs. In fact, we talked a little bit about that last week through providential relationships. And so that's true, but I just want to just, just to say it really clearly. The focus of this message is not about, hey, you need to do ministry because there's a bunch of needs that need to be met. I'm talking about this, and the Bible often talks about it like this, as we're about to see, is that When we, one huge reason to serve, to get, to be active in meeting needs is not so much in the meeting the needs in others, but that God wants to use you as you meet needs to grow your faith in him. The focus of this message is how God grows your faith in him as you step out to go meet some needs. And oftentimes the tension that we feel and the thing that keeps us from going and saying yes to meeting needs isn't that we're not uh, like, you know certain that there are needs that need to be met Oftentimes we know that the thing that keeps us from saying yes to being the one to go do that is because we have all of this tension and angst about what we, we lack And we don't have what it takes to actually go meet that needs and guys I just want you to put your finger on it like that tension that angst you have. That's a faith issue That's a faith issue that's you saying, okay, I, I don't think that God can use me or that God is present with me and can work through me. That's the issue. That's a faith issue. And when you step out, out of your comfort zone, you step out to do something that you know you're not really equipped for. That is you exercising or really God in you exercising your faith muscle. It's like putting you in a position where you're going to have to trust him more. And guys, that is such a good thing. Such a good thing. So... I want to look at a passage this morning that really fleshes this out pretty powerfully. It's found in Matthew chapter 14. So if you want to go there, uh, Matthew chapter 14, we're going to pick up in verse 13. Let me just say this is a very familiar passage uh, that uh, if you've been around the Bible very long, you've probably heard these stories. But it so powerfully illustrates how God uses stepping out to serve as a way to grow our faith in him. And uh, so I just want to spend some time in this passage. So let's begin in verse 13. This is what uh, Matthew writes. He says, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Now, real quick, what had happened, what Matthew refers to here, is that John the Baptist had just been beheaded. And if you may remember or know that John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin and the man who baptized Jesus, Jesus loved John the Baptist. and And so when John the Baptist is killed, like it it just like it would us, like shakes you, like it, it saddens you, it causes you to 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 mourn, and so you want to go away and get some time by yourself, like that's what Jesus is doing. He wants to go away, get some time by himself. But uh, the crowds that followed Jesus had something else in mind. So this is what the rest of verse thirteen says: Hearing this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. And so when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and. Healed their sick. And like just quick aside, I, I love this about Jesus, right? Like if this is me and like I'm sad and I just lost a loved one and I want to get away some time by myself. When I get get away and there's a huge crowd of people, I'm not having compassion on them. I'm mad at them for not having compassion on me, right? Like, hey, I just went through something really rough. Like give me a break. But Jesus, like just I love that about Jesus. He sees them, he's okay, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna have compassion on them. He, he heals the sick. And then verse 15 says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So they're in this remote area because that was the idea. Jesus was trying to get away from everybody, but they followed him there. And so the disciples, once it's getting late, They might themselves have been getting hungry, but like, you know how you you could kind of do it? Like, it's not really about me, Jesus. Let's think about everybody else. They're probably getting hungry. So let's like, let's send them away. Let's think about them. Let's go, you know, make sure that they have some food. And 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 yet this is how Jesus responds. Verse 16. Uh, Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now if you've been a a Christian for very long, you probably have experienced this to some degree where you see a need, you see something that, that, you know, your heart goes out to some kind of ministry, some kind of group of people in our city, or you're someone that you work next to, or you live next to, and you like acknowledge a need and you think, okay, Jesus, like you need to do something about that. Like, let me begin to pray for them. And then if Jesus says, okay, I want to do something about that. Um, you do it. All of a sudden, we begin to think, okay, no, 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 no. Oh, Jesus, I don't think you understand. I'm asking you to do it. And Jesus said, I want to do it, but I want to do it through you. It's like, no, no, I'm a prayer. I pray. I'm good at praying. Like, I'm happy praying. I'm going to be a prayer warrior. And let me just say, that's awesome. Let's do that. Let's pray. But oftentimes, we get into this kind of conversation. With God, we're like, okay, God, like, I don't, you know, I wasn't really thinking about me doing it. Well, I, I, need, I need you to do it, Jesus. But... Jesus says to these guys, like, hey, why why don't you do this? And they are like, how we would be. "Uh, I'm not not so sure. Jesus is like, how how are we going to do that? So then they, uh, I'll just go keep going. So verse 17, they come with the excuse. Hey, we, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Like, hey, Jesus like, we don't have what it takes, right? And isn't that our answer oftentimes if we feel like Jesus is saying, hey, you do this? It's like, well, I would, Jesus, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm limited with what I've got. I've got limited resources here. So like, let me just, uh, I don't, I don't exactly have what it takes. Which is funny. Like I, I think that we can get away with saying those kind of excuses whenever for us it's oftentimes like the Holy Spirit nudging us and in, like internally or like we hear a message or reading the Bible and it's like, oh okay, I should do something about that. But then it's like, well, is that really God telling me to do that? And we can blow it off. But these disciples they're like, they're standing in front of Jesus and they're saying like Jesus is like I want you to feed them and they're like, nah, like I just don't think that's like that's like bold, right? Like I just I'm I'm going to say no to Jesus right in his face, but. He says, we, you know, we've got only five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus says, hey, bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. And I think this is, is so powerful. And I, I hope that you will hear this this morning. Because I think Jesus' response to the disciples is the same thing that he says to us. And here's what he says. He says, I, you see a need. If you feel me nudging you to meet that need through you, and you feel like you don't have what it takes, here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear, that. Why don't, you just take, why don't you just bring whatever you have to me? And Jesus says, I want you to feed the 5,000. We don't have what it takes. We only have this. And Jesus says, just bring, that, just bring that to me. And then he says the same thing to us. Like, but Jesus I don't, I, don't even have a, I don't even have a college education. Jesus says, well, just bring whatever education you have. Well, Jesus says, I, I just don't think I have enough time. Jesus says, just, just bring whatever time you have. But, but Jesus, I don't think I have all the answers. Like, I don't have, like, what if they ask me some questions I don't know how to answer? Just, just, just bring the answers that you have. But Jesus, I don't, I don't even, like, have a really great understanding of the Bible. Like, I'm just kind of new to this. Like, how am I going to help someone else know what you say? I don't, just bring whatever you have. Just, just bring whatever you have. So they do. Verse 19, it says, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he he gave thanks and he broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples. And like I've been this week just kind of trying to imagine, like, what what does this look like, right? Like, disciples get this five loaves, two fish, they bring it to Jesus, hand it to Jesus. Jesus must be like holding all in one, you know, praise. And then he just turns around and he just gives it right back to the disciples, it's like, well, no, Jesus like, that's what we just gave you. And I'm, like, I'm just giving it back. And it's like, maybe he broke it up for each 12 disciples. So they all have just enough probably food to feed themselves. Just like a little fish and a little piece of bread. And they're like, okay, Jesus, like, are they gone? Like, <laughs> Did they go anywhere? Like, is this for me? Can I eat this? Like, what's, and it's like, but Jesus like, like, okay, go. And so what do they do? Like, they, they must've just turned around with the bread and the fish that they had and Like, I guess torn off a little bit. I'm not real sure. Just like handed it to somebody and it just kind of kept multiplying. It's a miracle. Like I'm not real sure how it worked. But I do know that there was a point in time where they're holding something and they're thinking, okay, like I don't really know how I'm going to feed 5,000 people with this, Jesus. But here's what I'll do. And this is what the disciples did and what guys don't miss this. Like here's what they did. They they just simply did what they knew how to do. And then they trusted Jesus that he would do what only he could do. So they, they took the bread that Jesus prayed for, prayed over, and took the fish, and they just turned around and they did what they knew how to do. They knew, they knew how to hold it. They knew how to walk over to somebody, and they knew how to give it to that person. So they just did what they knew how to do. And then Jesus did what only Jesus could do. And he made the stuff multiply to where there was more. And then they did what they only knew how to do. So they gave some more to the next person. Or perhaps they began to pass it down the row and they started seeing it multiply. But they just did what they knew how to do. And they saw Jesus do what only he could do. And friends, that's the Christian experience to a great degree when it comes to serving in partnership with Jesus. That we often, when called to serve, feel so inadequate and are so aware of what we don't have. That we don't have what it takes. And we allow those excuses just to flood in and give us all the rationale reason that we need to say no to what God is asking us to do. And Jesus is just say, hey, look, look, look. look. I know you don't have what it takes. That's the point. I'm calling you to serve. Yes, to meet other needs. And that's a good thing that happens. But the primary thing that I'm working on is growing your faith. And so the idea is that you don't have what it takes. That's the point. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you just to do what you know how to do while trusting me that I will do what only I can do. Because when you step out in faith like that, something awesome happens, your faith begins to grow. And you begin to trust Jesus more. And it's beautiful. And people begin to get served. But you said, the idea is that you don't have what it takes. In fact, Jesus is never, guys, Jesus is never going to call us to do something that we can do without Jesus. And Jesus is going to always call us to do something that was going to push us into a deeper intimacy and dependency on Jesus. So he says, that's that's the point. I want you to have to trust me. And so the disciples do, they begin to, to pass out the food to the people. They did all that they knew how to do. They just did what they knew how to do, trusting Jesus would do only what he could do. And God uses that to stretch their faith. And when you do that, he uses that to stretch and grow and exercise your faith in him. Here's what happens. Verse 20, they all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who... Uh, I ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. It was a miracle. And here's what I'm sure didn't happen next. As the, as they were picking up this 12 baskets full of extra food, I doubt that the disciples were saying to themselves, Hey, we're good at this. We should like go into the catering business. Like, we should open up a restaurant. We're awesome. No, I mean, they're, they're like shaking their head thinking like, and I'm sure the 12 baskets were like some kind of deal, like just show, Jesus showing well, one for each disciple. Like, I've got enough. You just do what you know to I do. I, I've got plenty left over. I can do what only I can do. Jesus is showing them. So they're holding this in thinking, like, look, like if, if people are saying thanks for the food, they're saying, hey, like, I, I didn't do anything. Like, no glory to me. Like, I just simply knew, I just did what I knew how to do. All praise be to Jesus. Anything awesome here that happened, this all to the glory of God. And guys, that's that's what is another great byproduct of when we step out and serve, knowing that we don't have what it takes. But we do what we know how to do and let Jesus do what only he can do. We're not tempted to steal God's glory for how we served. We just, like, I, like, I just filled out the application. From that point on, it was all about what Jesus was doing through me. I, I, I had nothing. I, it was all Jesus. I remember uh, when Chris and I moved onto Red River, we were getting ready to plant Midtown Church, and we wanted to plant this church to see the day when every man, woman, child hears the gospel in Austin from someone who loves them, and that's on my mind, right, you know, in Chris's mind, when we, we move into this house, and We look down our street and we see all the homes and we think about each person who lives in that home and think, all right, God, we're here. We'd love to see every single person on our street hear the gospel and we'd love them to know that the gospel is coming from someone who loves them. So God, I need, like, how do we like have relationships with these people and love these people and know that I'm not here just to get a notch in my belt or like whatever, like I'm here because I love them. And like, how do we, like, how do I get favor in their eyes? And how do I get an audience? And how do I get to share the gospel? And God, I don't just want them to hear the gospel. I want them to trust in Jesus. Like, how does that ever happen? And I was, remember vividly one day, I was mowing the yard and I was praying for my neighbors and I'm just overwhelmed by my inadequacy. And just like, God, how in the world is this going to happen? All my, all my neighbors hear the gospel. How in the world are they going to trust in Jesus? And it, Like, this passage came to mind, and I was thinking, all right, God, that's it, (laughs) right? Like, I don't know how to make that stuff happen. I can't create favor in their eyes, and I can't cause them to believe in Jesus. But here's what I can do. I can introduce myself. (laughs) Like, I can knock on the door. I can let, hey, I'm your new neighbor. I can try to learn their name. Here's what I can do. I can throw a party, see if anyone comes everything else like just like anything more than that i'm going to need you hugely I remember Krista and i praying about that and we have our neighbors over and we start introducing ourselves to neighbors and all of that stuff and like there's so much more work to be done and i'm still trusting god for so much more but like we now 10 of our neighbors have heard the gospel from us we have really good relationships with a number of our neighbors we're really friends with and like not patting myself on the back there. Like, that is all praise to God. Because I didn't have what it takes. And I'm so, so inadequate. And like, that kind of stuff, like, that is the hand of God. That's God at work. And guys, what has happened through that is that my faith in God and Christa's faith in God has grown through that. And so we stepped out and said, we don't have what it takes, but we're trusting you to do this. And we start seeing him do it. Man, it's been awesome. Because that's what God wants to do in us. Okay, I'm gonna to have to go fast, but I want to. I want to just show you one more part of this story, because what happens here is uh, this after the miracle of feeding five thousand, is like he does something else. Jesus does something else, and I just want to point out, like Jesus wasn't just like like at loss for uh, how to do miracles. Like he had healed a bunch of people, and then he wasn't like, hey, okay, I've done that. Like what's another thing that I could like amaze people with? I know. I- I'll feed a bunch of people. <laughs> you haven't seen me do that yet. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And then in a minute, he's going to walk on water. And it's not like he's like saying, Hey, what, what's another trick I could show them? Oh, walk on water. Like Jesus was not doing miracles just for the sake of doing miracles. And Jesus had a, had an agenda. He, he had something that he was trying to accomplish. And guys, you know what it was? It said he was trying to train his disciples to trust him so that when he gave them an invitation to be used by him in a gigantic way. Like when Jesus was about to send to heaven, he says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go make disciples of all nations, which is like absolutely, they're thinking, I'm completely incapable of doing that. Jesus wanted them to respond with faith at that time. That they would at that time remember, okay, I'm just going to do what I know how to do and I'm going to trust that Jesus will do what only he can do. And so to teach them that, he did this miracle, this feeding of 5,000. This was like faith lesson 101. And he goes straight into faith lesson 201. Let me show it to you. He says in verse, 20, or in verse 22, it says, Immediately, like these two things are linked, these two right after one another. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Which I would have loved to see Jesus try to dismiss the crowd after he just healed everybody and fed everybody. It probably wasn't very easy to get them to leave, but he dismisses the crowd. Verse 23, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. (laughs) Quick aside, like, guys, Jesus got away to pray. Like, he was mourning the loss of his cousin. He wanted some time with the father. He's just like... If Jesus would take time to get alone with the Father, like, let us take time to get alone with the Father. Okay, Private disciplines. God, use that to grow your faith. Give God your first few minutes. Okay. Verse, later, rest of verse 23. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against it. Okay. It's interesting. So here, like the disciples... Thing. They're on, like, on the lake, and they're trying to row across this lake. And this is something that they've probably done many times. Remember, a number of them were fishermen. They're very used to this lake. they used to rowing about. This is something like, unlike before, where they were given something that they felt like they, they had no idea how to do it, right? They're, Jesus says, go across the lake. It's like, yeah, I can, we can do that. But now this wind comes, and they're not getting anywhere. And they're basically... You know, just like doing rowing exercises out in, in the middle of the lake. You know, no progress. Verse 25, shortly before dawn, meaning they had been out all night, right? Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were Terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. And I think the, the literal Greek there, I'm making this up, but cried out in fear. I think that's just, they cried like little, little baby boys, right? Like, I mean, they were just screaming. Like, they thought it was a ghost, which I get, I love this about the Bible. It's one of the reasons why I, I just have Great confidence that the Bible is really inspired by God and tells stories that are true, not made up by by the disciples. Because if you're making the story up, you're not writing yourself in as this great coward, right? You're going to write yourself in by t- by saying like, "Oh yeah," and then we were we were making progress, even though the waves were really big. But then came, here came Jesus walking on the water, and we knew it was Jesus. We're thinking, "Jesus, Jesus, Jesus," and then we started we started rowing even harder, and Jesus got behind us. And he was like, he was skiing behind our boat with no rope and it was off. Like, that's what I'm riding in. I'm not riding in that we and all our friends thought Jesus was a ghost and that we cried out like little baby boys. Like, that's not what I'm going to ride in, right? But that's what he writes in. We think about these guys like, you know, St. Matthew and St. John, St. Peter, and Peter's got the big old, like, you know, a, a building built for a temple built for him. And like, we think the superheroes of the faith and in a lot of ways they are, but they don't see themselves that way. And you, you come to them that way, they're, they're like, no, no, we betrayed Jesus. We lied to Jesus. We thought he was a ghost. We, we did not have great faith. Like, this is, it just gives me credit, it just gives the message real credibility to me. But, anyways, they think he's a ghost, and Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. And I think when Jesus says this, Something clicks for Peter because we were about to see Peter do something awesome in the next verse. And I think something must have clicked between Jesus letting him know it was him and then what happens next. Like something in Peter's mind. And I'm not positive, like I'm reading into this, but it must have been that G- that Peter like, connected some dots here. That he recognized, okay, wait a second. We were just We were just asked to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. And like we didn't have what it took. And like, but Jesus, I think, was trying to teach us. That if, if, if he says to do something, calls us to do something, then as long as we just do what we know how to do, he's going to make it possible. He's going to do what only he can do. Like, I think that's what he was just teaching us. And so now, you know what? He sends us across this lake, and Jesus... Jesus, you knew about the windstorm. You knew that we couldn't get across this lake. I see what you're doing, Jesus. Jesus, you're trying to teach us something again. You're trying to, look, I think, and then I think he just connects the dot. It's like, okay, you know what? If if Jesus invites me to do something, even if it's something that's absolutely impossible for me to do on my own capability, my own abilities, if I just do what I know how to do and trust that he will do what only he can do, then I can do the impossible. And so Peter says, Lord, if it's you, like, I'm really hoping it's you, but if it's you, Peter, tell me to come, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, something important here, don't miss this. Peter didn't think this was the time to have just some random good idea, right? Peter wasn't like, okay. You know what? I bet you if I hop out of this boat, I can walk on water. So I'm just going to hop out and run out. Now, Peter got like, okay, there's an important aspect of this. If Jesus is inviting me to do something, then he's going to give me the power to do that thing. So I'm not just going to come up with a with a just a random idea and just do that. I'm going to wait for Jesus to invite me to do that. A lot of things have been started and very stupidly just thinking, of course, God's going to bless this without actually spending time in prayer, seeing if that's what God would have you do. But Peter says, okay, no, no, I'm not just going to get out of the boat. I'm going to, I'm going to ask Jesus, Jesus, Hey, Jesus, will you invite me out to you? Come on, come on, Jesus. Come on, come on. I think I got it. I think I got what you're trying to teach me. Come on, just invite me, invite me out. And Jesus does. And then what's Peter do? He, same thing, right? He, he just does what he knows how to do. And he trusts Jesus to do what only he can do. So Peter knows how to get out of a boat. And Peter knows how to walk. But like, that's as far as he's got, right? That's, that's as much as that he could bring to the table. But everything else that happens is by the power of Jesus. He, because so walk on the stinking waters, that is absolutely miraculous, right? Verse 30. But when he saw the wind... He was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And at some point in time, as he's walking on the water, Peter takes his eyes off Jesus and he begins thinking about what he is able to do. And he's like, I'm not, what am I doing? Not, I can't do what I'm doing right now. And he focuses on the wave and he begins to sink. Jesus reaches out verse 31. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little, what's, what's the word? you little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And guys, that's what this is all about. This whole thing is about faith. It's what Jesus is wanting to teach his disciples, that they they have faith in Jesus's power, that Jesus really is who he says he is, that he can do all he's promised to do, and so that they would step out in faith. And Peter, when he began to think, it it was not as a result of like he took the wrong step, you know, it wasn't a matter of like he, he had the ability and then he forgot he had the ability. It was a matter of faith. He didn't ever have the ability. He was trusting in Jesus. Jesus had the ability. And his faith began, he began to doubt his faith when he took his eyes off Jesus. This is a faith issue. And I think that when, when Jesus reaches out for Peter, and I'm not positive on this, but my picture of this is that, that Jesus was not like chastising Peter. Like, this wasn't like G- Jesus really coming down hard on Peter. If he was going to chastise anybody, it should have been the, the 11 other disciples just chilling in a boat, right? I mean, at least Peter, like he got the idea and he was trying it. Now, I, I think this is Jesus reaching out for Peter. And like I, don't know, like, I guess this is maybe the parent coming out of me, but like just like reaching, reaching for him and just saying, Oh, Peter, you almost had it. Oh, he, you were so close, man. You, you, were, you got it. You got it. You just, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt right in the last minute? Like, you got it. Like, with me, all things are possible. If I invite you to do this, even if it's impossible for you, I can do it through you. Just do what you know how to do and just trust that I'll do what I only can do. You, you got it. You were so, oh Peter, you were so close. You were so close. I love how the story ends. When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Truly you are the Son of God. Like we, we thought you might be after that feeding the 5,000 thing. <laughs> but now we're convinced. Truly you are the Son of God. Friends, God uses ministry involving yourself to serve others as a way to grow faith. <sighs> but it has to be a serving of others that is outside of your comfort zone. If you just do something that you know that you have the ability to do, then that's great. You can meet needs, and we're all for that. But what God wants to do is invite you to do something that you absolutely know that you cannot do without him. And when you step out to do something that you can't do, but that he can, and you're trusting that he will through you, he uses that to grow your faith in incredible ways. So you look it down your street, and you see your house, the houses on your street, and you think, how are they going to hear the gospel? And you feel so inadequate, you think, okay, that's the point. And God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do what I know how to do. I'm going to trust you to do what only you can do. You, you hear a need, like a need in our children's ministry to serve, and you think, I, I don't know how to teach kids the Bible, and I don't, I'm not even good with kids. You think, okay, that's all right. That's the point. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to do what I know how to do. I'm going to trust Him to do what only He can do. We've got, we've got a couple of people serving our children's ministry right now who are brand new believers, have never taught the Bible at all. They're scared to death. They're walking into children's ministry classrooms still tearing off the cellophane off their Bible trying to figure out how to open this thing. And like, And God is using them. One of them is teaching my kids, the pastor's kids, teaching the pastor's kids the Bible, and my kids are loving it and growing in their knowledge of God and his word. It's absolutely awesome. God uses you to do what only he can do when you just do what you know how to do. Trust him with the rest. It's powerful, guys. we got people going on a mission trip to Haiti in a few weeks. Never been on a mission trip before. They're scared to death. They, like, I, I don't even know. Like, I think maybe I should still be having missionaries come to me. Like I'm not sure if I should be a missionary going to others. I'm just new to my faith. And, but they're going. They're like, All right, God, I'm scared. But I'm going to do what I know how to do. I'm you, you. you do what only you can do. And I, like, I just can't wait to see what God's going to do through them. Friends, God may be tugging on y'all's heart right now. There might be something that's been in this message this morning that you just brought to your mind, like here's like you've been trying to shake off for a while now. God's saying, here's what you need to do. Here's what you want to do. The Holy Spirit's been putting that on you for a while, and you've just been saying, no, I can't, I can't. I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. Hear Jesus say, bring me what you have. Hear Jesus say, do what you can do. And trust me to do what only I can do. Say yes. He will use that. Yes, to meet the needs of others. And awesome. That's awesome. But he will also use that to grow your faith in him big. And through that, your intimacy with God will flourish. Will you say yes? Yes. We're going to go in time of worship here, and some time of response. And if there's something here that God's been tugging at you on, I want to encourage you to write it down. Use this time just to say, God, what are you, what are you? Am I supposed to be saying yes to? Or pray the prayer of Peter. God, I don't know what you're asking me to do, but here's what I would wish that you would ask me to do. Invite me out to do this. Invite me out of my comfort zone, God. Ask me to do this. Will you ask me to do this? If you ask me to do this, then I will say yes. Guys, use this time to ask God, God, what do you want me to do? And then respond with yes. Not because you're able, but because he is. Father, we love you, and we're so thankful for your son. We're we're so thankful that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we don't have to say yes to serving you in order to be accepted by you. God, that is an incredible freeing truth. That it's not what we do that causes us to be acceptable uh, in your eyes. It's what Jesus has done for us on our behalf. And it's faith in Christ that we know that we are forever made your sons and daughters. But God, because of the relationship we have with you through Christ, that we know that the spirit lives within us, that we are forever joined with you. We do know that you can use us to serve others. And Lord, we recognize that you want to grow faith in us. And so God, I pray for each of us in this room that we would say yes to you. And as you call us and invite us to serve others on your behalf, We would say yes, even when we're scared to death and we're so keenly aware that we don't have what it takes, God, that that would excite us and not scare us. That would say, God, God's at work here. He's at work in my life and he wants to be at work through my life. So let me say yes and just do what I know how to do. Trust that, Jesus, you're going to do what only you can do. God, grow our faith big in you. You are our awesome God. We look forward to praising your name right now.